Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. Today we're going to talk about one of the latest technologies that's been developed using the amazing genetics that are now available, the ability to measure chromosomes and chromosome abnormalities which has taken over the world in the last decade or so. It's now being applied to embryos to allow us to diagnose abnormalities in embryos even before they go back in the uterus. Just how quickly the world of genetics has changed. 25 years ago, the first coding or decoding of the human genetic material called the genome took nearly five years and something in the order of a half a billion dollars to achieve using the technology of the time. Today, that same process is automated, can be done in 15 minutes at a cost of around $100. How amazing technology is when advances like that are occurring. That automation of the process has allowed us then to be able to genetically test embryos It used to be called pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, or PGD. Its modern name is PGT. It's not really diagnosing, it's actually testing, just looking at embryos to work out which ones are genetically normal. The reason that this is important is that over half the embryos that we create in a laboratory through IVF are genetically abnormal. And that probably goes a long way to explaining why Despite the best culture medium, the best incubators, we still can't get above 40 to 50 implantation rate, attachment of an embryo, because a large number are genetically abnormal. So the idea is that if we have a number of embryos to choose from, 
if we can diagnose which ones are genetically abnormal, we will be able to put back an embryo that is normal and give it a greater chance of a pregnancy. Seems logical. And certainly in the last decade, we have seen the growth of PGT being applied to more and more patients. And what we've seen is not necessarily an improved pregnancy rate overall, because all PGT is doing is selecting the one most likely to get you pregnant and not putting back embryos that were destined to fail. But if you had five embryos, ultimately you're going to put them all back and you'll, by luck, get one of them along the way that will be normal. So by pre-testing, what we're achieving is a higher pregnancy rate more quickly. So in the first and second cycle, with a euploid embryo, you've got a significantly better chance of a pregnancy than if they hadn't been tested. So in America, some clinics are doing this on almost 90% of their patients, that you create the embryos, you biopsy them, and you put back the euploid embryos. And some clinics are reporting really quite astoundingly good results. The process involves growing the embryos to five days and then taking out of the couple of hundred cells that are there, taking out somewhere between six and ten cells and then testing those with this clever genetic machines that can auto-analyze the chromosome makeup and get a result back. The machines that we currently use still take two or three days to get a result. So we In most situations, we need to freeze the embryos after the biopsy and put the embryo back in the following cycle. That doesn't seem to do any harm. And in fact, the evidence, certainly from our clinic, would suggest that frozen embryos are slightly higher pregnancy rates than fresh ones. So we don't have any concerns about that. However, this remarkable story is not without its problems. And there are two or three. To the point where many people are now pulling back from recommending genetic testing on all patients. So the first issue is the biopsy itself. Does it do any harm to the embryos? There is some evidence suggesting that perhaps the biopsy technique can jeopardise an embryo, or at least jeopardise its future growth. The second concern is that the cells we take, the six or eight cells we take, are from the outside of the pregnancy. They're the cells that would produce the placenta in the longer term. They do not represent the embryo inside. And it's the genetics of the embryo that is important, not so much the placenta. And as we've done more and more of these biopsies, what we realize is that the cells in the placenta aren't necessarily the cells of the embryo itself. Actually getting embryos from that inner cell mass, as it's called, would be very invasive and potentially would be likely to produce damage to a pregnancy. So we're at the moment committed to taking the placental cells, the trophectoderm, and hoping that that reflects the normality of the fetus. Those that speak against PGT claim this to be a major problem because if you have cells that are abnormal in the placenta but the embryo is normal, the pregnancy probably will progress normally but we're actually discarding those embryos on the basis of those assessments. When I was in an international meeting in Europe just recently, a paper was presented reporting the transfer, what were apparently abnormal embryos on PGT, 
with the outcome of normal babies. Now in Australia we, we haven't yet got ethical approval to put back what might be an abnormal embryo. But it could happen and we could be forced into a situation where a patient has no apparently normal embryos and we might still put an embryo back on the basis that the majority will miscarry if they are abnormal and we will retest at 12 weeks in any case with an amniocentesis. So it may come to that in Australia. But the fact that we can get normal babies with a genetic testing said it was abnormal is quite disturbing. The third issue, which relates to the previous one, is that very often there are multiple cell lines that develop. So the placenta can have both normal cells and abnormal cells. So when we do the testing, we get a cell or two with one line and a group of cells with a normal line. So we've got a mixture that's called a mosaic embryo. And there's been a lot of controversy about what we do with these. Do we put them back or do we not? At the moment in Australia and generally overseas, what people have been doing is not putting them back if there are normal embryos first, but if there are no euploid normal embryos available for transfer, the mosaics are being transferred. And again, at the recent meeting, uh, there's a report of some hundreds now of mosaic embryos that have been put back. And fortunately, not one abnormality has occurred in the offspring. So it appears that nature deals with the mosaics, either by causing miscarriage, because the major cell line is abnormal, or that the baby itself, the fetus, is actually predominantly a normal genetic makeup and carried on through the pregnancy. The other and fourth issue is that while there are clinics in America that are reporting pregnancy rates of 70%, there are many that are reporting rates only 5 to 10% more than the standard rate in their laboratories. And that's certainly turning out to be the case in Australia. We, don't qu we can't quite explain why there are these big differences, but the reality is the majority of, of clinics are getting an improvement in their pregnancy rates for that first transfer. But it potentially, as explained above, earlier in my talk, we may be throwing away embryos that have potential to become normal babies. So I would say we're in a current state of uncertainty as to how we, this technology should be used in normal patients. There is a place for PGT, specifically where there are genetic defects in the parents and that those genetic defects can be picked up in embryos and can avoid diseases in children like cystic fibrosis, for instance, or thalassemia for instance. And by picking these up and putting embryos back that are unaffected, we're going to save a generation of children suffering quite debilitating diseases. So there's certainly going to be a place for them. But whether there will be routine use of PGT across all IVF patients is at the moment very questionable. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman. 
the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.